Hello and welcome back to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And today I have uh, another special guest, and it's the other half of the All the Time and Space podcast and one of the many, many rotating hosts on Strangers in Space. Welcome, Ian Martin. Thank you. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine, thank you. Yes, I had um, Mark on a couple of episodes ago. Um, and now I've, I've got you on, so now I own your souls, basically. Fair enough. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've pretty much finished using it now, so that's all good. Oh, okay, then. But yeah, fair enough. I don't know what I'm going to do with this little collection of souls that I've got. I've got, I've got Radio Free Scaros as well, so now I've got yours. I'd JRs, of course. Put, so. them, put them in a little glass jar, stick them on eBay, see what you get for them. So I get, yeah, yeah. exactly. Why not? Yeah. Why not? I like all the sonic screwdrivers lately, so... <laughs> Oh dear. So, um, see so yeah, what well, we are to talk about a Doctor Who story of your choice, uh, mm. which we'll uh, we'll come on to at the moment. But um, how how did you sort of get involved in the whole podcast thing? Because that's your your what, what is your your main your main career? Is it a writer? Pub, you've been publishing, aren't you? I am. In, you are, I am in publishing. I also write and. At the moment, I'm making about 512 podcasts for various <laughs> reasons. Um, so I'm spread very thin. Um, yes. 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 Like William Hartnell, spread very thin. But uh, <laughs> but, but so not, ha- ha- not a racist. Not, no, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how did you get involved in, in so many podcasts then? Was it, was it a happy accident? Wow. Is that the best way to um, Yeah. So, I mean, I did, I, I started out doing one about books and that was about seven or eight years ago now. Um, hmm. And uh, Mark Cockrum, my my lovely colleague from all of time and space, was kind yes. of my. He was. He, I completely out of the blue just emailed him and said, "You know, um, I'd like to start podcasting. You do podcasts. How does that work then?" And he was able. He was able to kind of talk me through the rudiments. And I did. Um, what was it called? Uh, five minute fiction for about a year, and then I stopped and. Um, that was it for a while, although I did guest on a couple of episodes of Nerdology. Uh, and then in it was just at the start of the COVID lockdown, um, Mark got in touch and said, look, I'm putting together all of... Well, it wasn't called All of Time and Space then. It was called Untitled Doctor Who Project. Um, <laughs> and do you want to be part of it? And um, I immediately said yes, because I thought if there's one thing I can do with the next... 30 years of my life it's it's talking inly about doctor who <laughs> um and then i got from there we started doing um we're all stories in the end which is a podcast about the new adventures and the yeah. eighth doctor books i started doing that about a year ago because i just rebuilt my collection of edas because i didn't have any of them anymore and I, i've been buying yeah. them all again and doing that podcast then i launched a comedy podcast with my best friend james called the electric sodcast um and i am now slowly bringing a lot of these projects to a little pause so that i can have the autumn off to write a book oh nice mm. okay yes. okay so is, is this a a secret of what you're going to write? Because a lot of authors don't like to tell you what they're writing. So. It's Well, I mean, I can tell you what it is at the moment, but I haven't started yet, so the finished product might be very different. But at the moment, okay. it's, a, it's a sort of um, supernatural, police procedural, soap opera, thriller kind of thing, and it's called Wisteria. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so where did the idea come from for... 
for a supernatural police procedural come soap opera. <laughs> Um, that's, that's a whole lot of genres you've got there. <laughs> it is. I so the the first idea I had was um, just to because I recently moved. Well, I say recently, two years ago, I moved to America, and I wanted to write something about America. Um, and so the obvious touch points are kind of um, Stephen King and that kind of great American novel, kind of uh, really expansive uh, universe. So I created this kind of town and these characters and the, the all the ideas I was having for them seemed to err towards the supernatural or the the just plain weird so I I kind of bubbled everything up for a while in my subconscious and what we've hit on is a a supernatural thingy so it's it's all new for me and very exciting great great so i think when the when you you sort of have that book released i'll say we'll get you back on to we'll get you back on before that anyway but so once you finish writing we'll get back on to to publicize it once it's out that but sounds I, I dare say you you have your own podcast in that one anyway <laughs> but one more won't hurt so. exactly it's all good yeah. it's all good it is all good it is all good so i mean how how before we get on to doctor who and the, and the episode you chose i mean how, how easy did you find it to write because i I write very short scripts for the, my video podcasts for, for good or ill um, of varying quality and other people be the judge how good they are. But I find it very difficult to write even something that just lasts five minutes. Right. So, yeah, so I struggle sometimes to get the, the inspiration to just to put down sort of like a couple, two sides of A4 to last me five minutes of talking to a camera. So how long does it take you to actually write a book, really? So it, I, the whole the whole process. Obviously, you spent the months thinking about what your the outline of the of the um, the well, I'll say not the plot as such, but the sort of like the basis for it. And then, once you actually start writing, does it come easily to you, or or do you is it fits and starts, or or do you set like a right between these hours of each day, I'm going to write. Well, it's it's been different each time, really. Um, the last thing I wrote. I wrote in a sort of two month period where I was um, when I just moved here and I was trying to get my social security number and get a job and all that good stuff. Um, I had, you know, unlimited time. So I was able to write a book in about two months. Um, before that, you know, when you are writing in your evenings and at weekends, you you try and take about three or four hours at a time to because you, you, you know, you can't just turn on the laptop and start bashing it out you need you need to get into it and you need a couple of full starts if i'm writing comedy sketches which is much closer to what you're talking about sort of you know two or three sides of a4 that does come very easily because i suppose i've been doing it for quite a long time now um and as long as i know as long as i know what the joke is um and a lot of what we do on the electric sodcast is uh poking fun at uh those in power um so to an extent that really does write itself um <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um we've got I was gonna to say how do you parody it which is really a parody really so <laughs> yeah i mean we've been doing a lot of a lot of stuff with matt hancock lately since he went in the jungle he's um he's he's ripe to have all kinds of disasters befall him and every <laughs> every time he turns around he thinks he's been hired for ten thousand pounds to you know 
be a consultant for a day, but all people actually wanted him to do is eat a, a kangaroo's anus. So um, <laughs> it, that kind of thing writes itself. With um, Wisteria, I am going to be looking at evenings and weekends, and it's going to take me a, probably a number of years to do it if I do it justice. So Fair enough, fair mm. enough. So many drafts it goes through. No, yeah. I just I just thought I'd ask you because I I say I do find it rather rather difficult sometimes if if you know if it's something I really want to sort of like you know this a movie or a a, a TV show or whatever um, I do you know I, it's something I want to talk about but sometimes putting it down in text I do find rather difficult sometimes or I think of something and it goes and I swap it for something else and I've and at the end of it oh damn I should have. I meant to put that bit and I did that on my last video as well so um when I sort of recorded it, I thought oh damn I should have I should have <laughs> I forgot to put that bit in so you should always leave a leave a little note open in your in your phone and just while you're thinking about it over the preceding couple of days just add your notes and then work out three or four points you want to make and then that gives you the kind of safety net of not losing any of your ideas and um, you know, it means you get everything across that you want to. But um, it's it just usually when I try to do that, I've got my family sitting around the telly's on. So it's yeah, see, that's 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 where <laughs> that's you went wrong. Problem. Yeah, you should, I know yeah. exactly. Exactly. You should be should. you should be barren and childless like like me, and then uh, <laughs> and then you you got a lot more time for this sort of nonsense. That is true. That is true. Actually, <laughs> I could be a millionaire by now, but oh well, never mind. <laughs> Anyway, so we are here to talk about Doctor Who, mm. and I asked you to, to, to pick an episode um, that, you, that you would like to sort of chat about, and you picked Smile. I did. From season season 10, episode 2, season 10. Um, now, what, now, I know why you picked Smile, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but people at home don't, so why did you pick Smile? I picked Smile because um, I didn't... So when you asked me the question, I didn't want to talk about a classic story because, you know, that's kind of what we do on Aotas and um, I need to keep my powder dry for these things. Um, so it was a new Who story and I thought, I always talk about Matt Smith because I love the Matt Smith era. Um, I didn't want to do that. And then Smile kind of bubbled to the surface because it was... Um, and until this very week, it was an episode I'd never actually properly watched. So, okay. so there was a period in sort of 2016, 2017, where I was, shall we say, not in the best place. And, um, and I watched the pilot, the first episode of season 10, and I absolutely loved it. And I thought this is going to be a really strong season. But the following week, Smile started and I gave it five minutes and then whether it was me and my, you know, my distractions or, or the episode or whatever, I just tuned out and I'd never gone back to it because it was sort of secretly nice to have an episode that I hadn't seen. I wish in many ways I could still say that about Legend of the Sea Devils. Um, so <laughs> we could all yeah. say that, actually. <laughs> yeah. can, we, can we sort of, all, yeah, let's all, all agree to, you know, wipe our minds of that wipe, one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to watch Smile because it was it was something new to talk about. Yeah, okay. Now, I've got to be honest, I haven't watched this since Transmission. Uh, and I always buy the the, the Blu-ray box sets when the, when they come out. Uh, but to be honest, uh, with the new series Blu-ray box, I buy them and they just sit on the shelf. 
now I could have easily just put this on iPlayer uh, today. Uh, but then I thought, no, I will actually crack open the Blu-ray hey. to have a look at this. Um, so, yeah, so that was a good excuse to, to do so, actually. I don't know why I do that. I think just because the nostalgia factor hasn't kicked in yet, I think, as, as it does with the, the classic series. Anytime there's a, like one of those Blu-ray collections comes out, I, I devour all the extras that they put together and the little documentaries and, and so on and so on. But I don't tend to do it with the new series. And I don't know why, because I loved them when they came out. Um that is odd. Is, th- is there a is there a does it sort of happen in stages? So maybe you're nostalgic for I don't know Christopher Eccleston, but you still aren't nostalgic for the more recent Doctors, or is it just the whole New Who doesn't have? I that think s- it's the whole new it's the whole New Who thing. Yeah. I think I don't I don't tend to. If I want to watch an episode of Doctor Who, I always put on something from the old series, um, but I never ever put anything on from 2005 onwards, and I don't know why because it's all it's all well, mostly great. You know, I'd, I'd love it as much as the old stuff, mm. to be honest. And Capaldi's one of my favourite Doctors. So for me to not watch it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, it, to be it, fair. It, it doesn't. I, th- I think your your reasons are as spurious as mine are. <laughs> yeah, it is actually, yeah, yeah. So so now, now you have what, but well, basically we have watched it properly for the for a second time, it seems, yeah. uh, funnily enough. Um, what, what, did you, what did you make of it? Now you sort of sat down and watched it were we were you focused on it this time? I did. I did. I, I focused very hard on it, um, and it's it's a very interesting story, isn't it? Second story for um, Bill Potts, um, and I you kind of get the the feeling that the brief that went out to the writer was write us an arc in space. You know, mm. Capaldi probably said, "Well, that was a good," you know second story for a new doctor i want something like that please and stephen moffat went away and emailed frank cottrell boyce and said do us an arc in space so you've got this for about the first half hour it's i wrote it down it's about 29 minutes and and some seconds it's just a two-hander and that was really interesting and if that could have been kept up for the remaining 15 minutes that would have been a really interesting um thing to do but then they bring in a few extra characters towards the end because they have to. Um, and it so overall the episode feels really kind of unbalanced. And I don't want to I don't want to say it's like one draft away from where it needed to be, because it's really not my place to criticize professional writers who have got their work on television. Um Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't mind, I will criticize. <laughs> but yeah, it was you know, it was it was a mixture. There were some brilliant elements to it. Um, I think mainly mainly Bill and her dialogue and the questions she kept asking the Doctor all the way through it. How does the TARDIS work? How much did it cost you? Why are the seats so far away from the console that you can't drive? Um, it was it was really fresh and really great to see who was essentially a new Doctor because you know we're we're sort of two years into. Capaldi's run but I think by this point he'd started to play the part slightly differently or maybe it was just the energy of having a new companion brought out a new side to him um so it was a it was a real kind of brilliant jumping on point season 10 and um and this one captured a lot of that energy it did it did and I I I I know what you mean about sort of the last 15 or so minutes when Ralph Little pops up um yeah. Yeah, I, 
he didn't really sort of add anything to and, and for a and he's meant, was he meant to be a, a med tech or some med tech one? Some, it, he was or, some sort of space designation, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And I, th- I just thought that the first thing he does is he wants to shoot stuff. Um, I thought, aren't you meant to be? Are you meant to be some form of medical practitioner? Yeah. But no, you want to you want to shoot the first thing you come to contact with. So. I mean, maybe he's doing that because he's got you know shares in his own company and he needs the work. <laughs> I don't know if you if you maybe shoot does. someone, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was it, that was really route one when the sort of human cast wake up, and you know you see these fantastic model shots or CGI shots of huge silos full of individual hibernation pods being reawoken, and then about nine people ultimately <laughs> arrive. So you know, I guess I guess they were the fastest ones to defrost. Um, I don't obviously, know. but yeah, yeah. Um, and then it it just becomes. And how many times have we seen this? A bunch of humans looking to start shooting at something. I know, I know. It's it's a shame, really, because, as, as you say, it was a two-hander. And I love the Bill Potts character. I think she's one of my um, sort of hands-down favourite characters in Doctor Who, to be honest. I thought she... And I was, I was so disappointed that she was a one-series uh, companion. Mm, yeah. Uh, I really do, because I think, I think she was great. And I think... Um, yeah, a lot of potential there. I really do. Um, even going forward with uh, Jodie Whittaker, I think she would have been a, a great. And I can understand why they decided to draw a line under that whole uh, that whole era uh, when Chris Chibnall went on board. New Doctor, New Companions. It's, it's his own thing. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'd like to have seen Bill stuck around for a bit well, longer. What, so what's just occurred to me, literally right now, is that obviously Bill Bill was gay, and maybe. Because I don't think that the whole Yasmin 13 thing had really occurred to anyone at that point. And I think maybe they just wanted to not start a female doctor with a gay companion for whatever reason. And maybe that's why they decided to just write Bill out. Or maybe it's, you know, it was Stephen Moffat saying, Yeah, you're not having my characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been that, actually. Could have been uh, either, couldn't it? But um, I, I, I just suddenly realised that the, the whole. Yaz and thirteen Doctor thing. That was wasn't that basically tagged on at the end of Back to Leisure of the Sea. Yeah, again, they, wasn't it? they. I think. Yeah. I think by the time he was writing that, he'd looked at Twitter. He'd seen how how many millions of of the the younger end of fandom around the world were very keen to see that sort of thing happen and that kind of story be addressed and represented. And so he, he you know, he sort of retconned it. And in basically an episode and a half, you have this whole thing where Yaz was you know oh I've I've been in love with you all this time and uh, that was quite clumsy too it wasn't it didn't really go anywhere no disappointing no. you would have thought given how the how, since the show came back the doctor has kissed pretty much everyone that they've ever met you'd have thought Yaz could at least get a bit of a, a bit of a kiss yeah would have thought so seems unfair wasn't to be, was no. it? Wasn't to be. No. He didn't have, didn't have the courage of his convictions there, Mr. Chibnall. No. Oh, no, never mind. Anyway, we're supposed to talk about Smile, not, yes. not, the, not, the, not the Jodie Whittaker era. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I loved it. I loved the location um, in Spain as well. Uh, I thought it's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic building. And sometimes those things just sort of just fall into your lap, don't they? Someone builds a futuristic building that's apparently meant to be based on the mouth of a shark. Bowl accounts with the the side of the bill. It's like teeth, mm. meant to be shark's teeth. Yeah, I, sticking I, up. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I suppose 
I suppose that maybe they sent a picture of that to the the writer at the early part of his uh, plan, or I don't know. Maybe they found the location after they had the script, but it seems to have been written exactly with that kind of uh, yeah location in mind. It looked absolutely brilliant. It's lovely. Yeah, I thought it's it's fantastic location. Um, it's but it's just when you get to the spaceship, it's yet another. Um, industrial complex or old <laughs> nuclear power station they found again. Yeah, it felt like we're back underneath that sort of town hall in Cardiff where they filmed everything for the first yeah, five know, years exactly. of the revival. I know. Have you been to the Millennium Centre? I have not. No. It's funny because when when the the BBC did their their first convention, which I think was oh, what was that, two thousand and twelve? I think it was. I know Matt Smith. They, they were they were mm. just, um, I think. I think, oh, I'm going to try to remember. That was the weekend that um, Clara was announced as the new oh. companion. Yeah, so it was, and they showed the trailer for season 7B, I think it was, the second. Okay. Yeah, so I think that's where, that's where they were. Um, yeah, so, and I just went around looking, oh, that's, that's that bit from that episode. You could, you could, it, they used it so many times by that point. Um, you could tell exactly what bit had been used in what episode. And yeah, it was, uh, it was good to see though. Um, and of course, Yanto's shrine, which is <laughs> to this thing entirely. To this day, it's like, it's like Buckingham Palace after Princess Diana. It it's just a mass of flowers and, and tearful, <laughs> tearful outpourings of national grief. No, it, it must be really great for a, a Doctor Who fan to go somewhere like that where you've got so many locations in sort of in one hit because previously you've got to drive all around the south of England to you know go to Devil's End and go to the uh, steam factory in in Brentford where they filmed the Remembrance of the Daleks and yeah you've really got to work to find these locations but now you can just go to Cardiff pop over to Spain um I think Madagascar. I don't know, but you know, a bit more globe hopping. <laughs> it's 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 a faff. It's a faff now. You know, it's a faff, isn't it? Yeah. Really, Cardiff but, was I... Cardiff was great. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. No, it was good because I, I. It was when my my son's a big Doctor Who fan. He's now on this this podcast as well, and it, he got to see you know where, you know where the. Uh, where the doctor refueled the TARDIS um, in Boomtown and things like that. So yeah, so it was. Um, his old torch was underneath us. So yeah, he was he was he was dead excited about that. But he didn't quite understand the Yento Shrine either. So, so no. So how, so how old is he? Ten. This is this is Scott we're talking about, right? It is Scott because yeah, I listened yeah. to his review of Animal because I've just reviewed that as well for someone else's oh. podcast. Um, oh right. Very okay. different reviews. He I thought was very generous of spirit in in that way that young idealistic nice people often are um i i took a different approach <laughs> <laughs> but i thought it was really nice to hear someone of that age who the show is you know made for it's much more interesting to hear their opinions and hear what works for them so yeah, exactly yeah, he's he's doing um so we will get back to small soon, listeners. Absolutely. I, 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 I do, I do. We do promise. Uh, no, he's doing uh, Invasion of the Dinosaurs next, actually. Oh, wow. So he's so leaping about be... all over the place. Yes. Whoever takes his fancy, he, he's going to do it. So, um, which is good. So he's just going to these little, little short reviews and the, he's just, he's just loving doing them, actually. So, does he uh, have... you're right. It, does... It's nice to see something positive come out yeah. of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> which is no reflection on what you're doing, of course. 
Of but, course not. You know, <laughs> I, it occurred to me when I was listening to it that all we ever hear is the opinions of, you know, middle-aged white guys who, you know, are doing this because 30, 40 years ago, when we were kids, we really loved this show. And it's that magic that that we don't have anymore. So when we talk about Doctor Who, we talk about the, the script shortcomings or the production logistics or the, the mechanics of how it came to be written and commissioned. But we never we never just say this bit was brilliant or terrifying or wonderful um and that's and that's what he brings to the party that you and i possibly do not no exactly exactly which we, we well, i don't know let's let's try and do that with when we let's get back to small let's try okay um, let's all, all the positive aspects yeah. of this so, now we start off well we start with the, the good dynamic between the doctor and bill yeah. um i think you're you're do, do you see him as being like Hartnell's doctor, because he started off abrasive, and as he went over a period of time, he softened, and that's what's happened with Capaldi's doctor. Time we get to this episode, he has softened quite a bit. It's still that abrasive, abrasiveness is there, but he's, he has softened quite a bit. And I don't know if that's more to do with Bill rather than Clara. Well, I always, and again, this is because it's kind of received fan wisdom and you never question it, but everyone says how it's kind of the Colin Baker arc done better, where it's peeling away the onion layers and he becomes nicer. But you're right in that it's a lot more Hartnell because it feels a lot more of a natural process rather than a kind of artificial, every season I'm going to play it differently kind of approach. So, yes, there is that, that Hartnell-esque element, which is also probably true of Pertwee and um, not Tom. Tom went the other way. Tom started out quite nice and then just became, oh, God, don't talk yeah, to but- him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, because it, it always comes back to Peter Capaldi trying to play the Doctor rather than a Doctor and trying to inhabit you know all the all the dimensions and all the kinds of persona that the the role uh, embodies so yeah um and at this point in his relationship with bill and obviously nardole who gets about 30 seconds but they're great seconds um he's 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 kind of there's also a, a kind of peter davison element he looks a little bit like people are ganging up on him and he's kind of crestfallen and having to you know, wriggle out of of things and and dissemble. Um, so yeah, you can you can watch Capaldi and you can probably find little touchstones of every Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can actually. It was it Mummy or Express. He was okay. You had the, the cigarette case full of jelly babies, and he even sort of impersonates Tom Baker at one point as well. But yes. I was going to say, do you think that's the? <laughs> do you think that's the a a, a problem? potentially of a Doctor Who fan. I mean, he was a big Doctor Who fan, wasn't he? Because he was sort of like the president of the, the, the fan club and he he, he ousted the, the previous <laughs> <laughs> the previous president or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, so did you think that, that that can sometimes hinder maybe an actor or, a, or even a writer as well? Because I mean, obviously a lot of the, the fans wrote for like the New Adventure or the, the Virgin um, yeah. Adventure series. And some of them ended up writing for the series as well. Um, I mean, do you find that they could be some of the more sort of self-indulgent stories on occasion? So basically, the short answer is yes. Um, I think with Capaldi as an actor, um, he's able to 
do so much more with the part than someone who is just doing their doctor um, and not really doing too much with it. Uh, Capaldi did kind of hark back so far into the show's past that it was a real treat as a viewer. Um, I think by the time he's involved in pitching story ideas or by the time someone like Stephen Moffat has been doing the show for a few years. And I don't want to criticise Stephen Moffat because in television terms, certainly in UK television, he is he's he's the, he's the governor. You know, he's the he's the probably the best there is. Um, but I did think that by the time Matt Smith left, Doctor Who kind of started to feel like it was not so much running on empty, but but happy to rest on its laurels and. There seemed to be an awful lot of people who were happy to just have all these throwbacks and illusions and the stories, you know, oh, let's let's finally find Gallifrey and go there and have Russell on, but it's not Timothy Dalton anymore. It's whoever it was. Um, Donald Sumpter. <laughs> Donald, as you so rightly, Sumpter. Yes. Um, and I just, I just <laughs> feel like the show stopped being what Russell T Davis had made it which was something that anyone could watch and once again it was firmly back in that kind of 80s this is we only make this for the fans only the fans are watching so there's a very fine line between um harking back to the past and referencing it and letting that drag you slightly off course and kind of clouding the the mission statement yeah yeah, no, I do what you mean, and I, I, so it comes back. I think what you were saying, this story is sort of like maybe Peter Capaldi says, right, I want an arc in space, and this is what he got. Really, mm. it's almost, I say, it's, it's not identical, but the certain plot beats in it are more or less the, the same, really, aren't they? Yeah. So they, they, you know, they get there, it's you know, it's empty. There's a mystery going on, you know, rather than sort of like a trail of slime. There's a, they find bones that have been ground i mean that that's quite a gruesome discovery that the bones have been ground into fertilizer I mean, yes that's, uh, that was actually yeah. quite horrible um you've got to you've got to go back to the eric saywood era for that kind of thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and let's not let's let's please not do that um no. <laughs> but yeah that was you know even even for new who as a whole that was a, a pretty macabre um idea that they that they ran with there yeah, I mean, even have sort of Bill put her hands once it's been sprayed. She puts her hands underneath it, and oh, yeah, what's what is this? Yeah, you know, it's human remains, Bill. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, <laughs> not very nice at all. No. Um, but I mean, obviously, you've got the um, obviously the whole thing is the emoji thing of this as well, and these these little robots. Well, actually, the robots—they're just sort of like the, the receivers. It, yeah, aren't they? the interpreters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which I think was a, a neat idea actually, because they were actually sort of in you know the, the whole the building they were in was actually made from the actual robots, which you thought were these like nanobot things flight swarming about, which I thought was a a good little a good little twist on things actually. Mm. Um, I. I, I just remembered actually. I tried to. It was on, on another podcast, one of the, the DWP. Um, when I ordered my, because I do cosplay as Capaldi um, now and again, I, and I did have the, uh, the 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 maroon velvet frock coat. Oh, um, lovely! Which, I, which well, actually, I, I it was from. Um, I've forgotten their name again. Anyway, the, the company ordered it from. They lost the Doctor Who license anyway, but it, it came with a free gift, and it was a little. 
emoji badge oh. from from this from this very. Uh, it was the um, the skull motif, right? When they were about to kill someone, yeah, it's that it's that on a little little badge. Oh, wonderful! So yeah, so um, yeah, I, I no longer have that crush that the the vel- maroon velvet thing because it wasn't very good quality, oh. actually. Oh dear! Yes, yes, and the thing with velvet, which I didn't realise, you can't iron it. Well, I've never tried. Um, yeah. So what happened? Did it sort of melt? Well, I it, it came out of the packaging looking like it had been like rumpled up, yeah. um, creased, yeah. and it looked awful. Mm. Um, and the first time I wore it was at Gallifrey One convention in in, in LA, and of course it got even more. Even though I was folded up nicely in my case, the time I got there, it was even more crumpled and, and creased and everything. So. Um, what I read somewhere was the only way to get rid of the um, the crease was to steam it. So I put it in the bathroom, whacked the hot water up to fall in the shower, mm-hmm. shut the bedroom door and let it, and let it steam out. And um, you know what? It didn't work. <laughs> that never does. I was so I I used to have to travel the world a lot as a um, in publishing. I had to go and sell books to you know people around the world and. Um, Everyone always said, you know, oh, your shirts, just steam them in the in the shower. It's never worked. It's nonsense. No, never worked. It's a myth. Never worked. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I always thought this, the only way you can get creases out of velvet because you can't iron velvet. But I'm, I, oh, God, you must be able to do it somehow. But, but anyway, no, I, I sold it in the end because it, it just looked, it looked really, it was a, a tatty bit of schmutter, actually. Mm. It really was. Yeah. That's very Shame. sad. It's sad, it's sad. But um, yeah, um, now on the, when I cracked up the Blu-ray for this, the, the little uh, emoji robots for what the better description, or the Vardys. Um, yeah, Jamie and Rebecca. And Rebecca, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> well, that's, it's funny you say that because there were actually only two robots, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, used in this. Um, and one of them, I think, was in, I think he played Frodo Baggins. It was a little, oh. uh, it was a, 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 a short actor called Kira Shah. Um, I think he played Frodo Baggins back in the day. So anytime you saw any long shots, it was him with a, a, a larger wood mask on running mm. behind Ian McKellen. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they were saying, um, obviously, they're filming it in, in Spain. Um, it was like, you know, over 30 degrees out there. And they're in these little sort of fiberglass and rubber costumes inside basically a building that's a giant greenhouse uh, as well. It didn't sound the most comfortable of gigs either actually but no <laughs> it really did no no but uh but i i thought they were quite an effective robot actually i think that the the cuteness um sort of betrayed what they were actually really doing i, I when it comes to what they're actually doing to people i think that i don't think that's such a bad plot point actually that it's I'd, it was it was buried quite deeply, wasn't it? Um, it? It was, and I'd probably benefit from watching the episode again to really get my head around it. But so they're they're fundamentally trying to help. Yeah, uh, that they're programmed to make the colonists happy, so they get everything ready mm. for when they come out of the deep freeze, and they weren't programmed to understand grief. grief. Oh, yes, yeah, that was it. Um, so so their their way of doing it is treating it like a like a plague and then so bearing that in mind yeah the the the, the resolution where the where both sides are that no no species is wiped out the robots are left intact the humans survive and they just have to work together and learn to communicate it's actually quite a lovely ending because 
uh, you you know you kind of feel with the robots and and they are i think probably the, the best robots we've had in the in the new series um they're a bit like dogs then really aren't they they're just trying to make everything lovely Exactly. Um, it's all wacky tails yeah. and tongues hanging out. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And if, exactly. if you if you if you show grief, you know, a dog will come and boof loudly at you, and uh, a robot will will kill you. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but lovely, yeah. lovely, okay. like lovely, dogs. lovely anyway, <laughs> lovely. Exactly, exactly. But I do like the fact that sort of like the, the humans, led by Ralph Little at the end, or, or as you say, all nine of them. Um, they don't want. That's too keen on this new um, alliance at the end, are they? Which I thought was uh, a typical, <laughs> a typical thing to do again for humans, isn't it? It's not, you know, I'll sod that. I'm not, uh, I'm not sort of going to go bow down to my robot master race or whatever. You yeah, want to call it. you it's, know, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a nice little poke at the sort of human instinct for entitlement and privilege, and um, you know, no, you know, you're in a. A new environment now and things are different and you've got to adapt and um adapting is what the show's all about it's what the fans should all be about so it's kind of thematically it's a it's a perfect episode it is yeah. it really is and i think the uh, do you know the bit at the beginning um i completely forgotten about Again, so I only watched it the once. And Mina Anwar was in it mm. right at the beginning as well. Gets killed very quickly. And for those who don't remember or can't place Mina Anwar, she's uh, Rani's mum in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, if you uh, want, you want to prod your memory there. Um, yeah, I completely forgot she was in it. Totally forgot. Um, and it was almost sort of like, what, what was the point of getting someone who's relatively well known as well uh, to just to <laughs> just to offer in the first. First five minutes of the show. Yeah, but. and then and then yeah, and then you have this unbalanced thing I was talking about. If you'd maybe given her slightly more to do and not killed her off quite so quickly, maybe maybe they could have. I don't know. Maybe they could have done more with that. But you know, it was nice to it was nice to see her again and and get them back for for a couple of minutes. I guess. Um, do you want to come back? We're going to grind your bones up and turn you into fertilizer. Oh, okay then. Yes. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Where do I sign? I mean, it's not. It's not that you know. I, I wanted to play Ophelia, but you know, fine, whatever. <laughs> I was going to say it's not. It's not Shakespeare, darling. No, but you know, no. <laughs> tell that to Yorick. Well, exactly. We didn't get ground up at the end, though, did he? Who knows? He got a nice little eulogy yeah, but, yeah, with Hamlet. But yeah. oh, well, there you are. But no, it's <laughs> now, and of course, there's there's another little. Um, sort of riff as well um i mean capaldi gets his own obi-wan kenobi scene as well with the the uh, fusion reactor yes that was very very star wars wasn't it where he's wasn't it standing yeah. over this big cosmic death thing the, i guess it was the engine but let's call it a big, big cosmic death thing because it sounds more exciting yeah, exactly. it does actually and, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's I'd... he's fiddling with some you know brass valves that you get on a spaceship um and it was all very marvelous and exciting <laughs> it was wasn't it it was yeah i, I just simply wonder why has it taken them so long i just sort of did to, to give the doctor like because he is like a uh an obi-wan kenobi style sort of character isn't he? he's very wise and uh can sort of uh hold his own has all the answers kind yeah. of thing well or, or choose not to give the answers yeah. as you know um as as he's want but um yeah i'm just surprised it's taken that long to riff on that particular scene from star wars where I mean, you had sort of like the uh the millennium falcons style 
space shoot out at the end of uh, was it end of time part two, which yes. I, I tried also tried to try to forget, <laughs> you know, in the in the gun turrets. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, I I, I just I just thought it was great. I think it just sort of um, you know the the little robot sneaking up um, on on the Doctor at the end, and him seeing the reflection in in the valves uh, um, glass panel as well, which I thought was a nice little touch mm. as well, actually. Mm. Um, and it was too late for him to do anything about it, which, which was uh, which was good. Yeah, it makes but, a uh, nice change, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, it does. But um, I, do you know what? I I actually really quite enjoyed it um, when I was watching it today um, because I I really no memories of this whatsoever uh, beyond the emoji robots, um, and I'm just beginning to wonder whether that sort of thing, that sort of pop culture reference, ages or dates a show really. Um, but I, well, not really, because because Doctor Who's now been promoted using emojis, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, new Doctors are unveiled using you know two blue two hearts and a blue box. You know, it's it's increasingly the language that the the younger audience will understand and use. And so, I don't think it's dated at all. I think it's it's timeless. I'm surprised we haven't seen them those robots again. But who knows what what might be coming up. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's just old farts like me that doesn't understand emojis. I just, I've, I, I've looked at these things come up and thought, oh, oh, two hearts I get. That's a, that's could mean time lord, tard, yeah, tardis, mo, yeah, that's fine. But I look at other things. I've literally got no idea what you're what you're on about there. It is difficult, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been using emoji for about what thirteen years at this point. I know about ten. Um, three of them are fit for us to talk about on a family show uh, <laughs> you know but but but, well, look, but again it's not for us it's for a different generation not, you know. exactly 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 and I, I, <laughs> I don't even begin to try and understand that i thought that, that that's that's for them i've you know i want to if i want to sort of sit in a uh, a 1970s fog of cigarette smoke and beer then uh, yes. then, I, then i will do really then you you, so. you want to be watching inspector morse that's where you want to be that's the show <laughs> for the, us that's it i'm doing the wrong podcast <laughs> so change the title to who's lewis and um and we'll just we'll go from the top but we'll talk about the dead of jericho it'll be great <laughs> it'll be great exactly the only, only trouble is you eventually have to get around to talking about lawrence fox Oh dear me, yes. So back to the yeah. subject of smile. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> just for a second there, when you said Lawrence Fox, I could see like the the angry skull faced emoji behind me, like <laughs> you're going to die. No, let's keep it light. Let's let's leave. I thought I thought for a moment you're going to see you going through all the foxes until <laughs> you got to Lawrence. I thought you could figure of Edward, James, Amelia, the, in, the incredible Mister Fox. Or yeah, whatever, no, yeah, and then. They've they've given us a lot as a as a dynasty, but it doesn't seem to have ended well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Lost his deposit, Shoot. you know. <laughs> uh, oh, my heart bleeds. <laughs> my heart bleeds. Dear, oh dear. Yeah. No, no. It... <laughs> anyway, back back to happier things. I'm so... sorry. I keep dragging you off on tangents. I'm terrible at this. Oh sort no. Of that, that, do you know? Do you know what? That's what this podcast is all about. We very rarely, when I get a guest on, we we very rarely talk about the thing we sit down to talk about. We just go from all angles. It's, it's, you know, it's uh Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. I think it makes a entertaining listen because if you say you want two white middle aged men talking about Doctor Who, it, it can get a bit. I think it can get a bit dry sometimes, can't it? It can, and a little bit like, 
why are they doing this with their lives? Why you know why are they spending all their time talking about a kids show? You've got to you've got to open the doors and let some fresh air in and some different subjects. Otherwise, it's you know imagine. And I I say this I don't know if there is one, but imagine if Ian Levine had a podcast. It would just be the most forensic minutiae, and it would be the most boring thing you've ever heard. And how it was all everyone else's fault. Yeah. And he was the saviour. And he could be listening to this. He Hello, could. Ian. Hello. He could be listening. Hello, Ian. <laughs> Very high opinion of you. <laughs> yes. I don't think he would be listening to this. <laughs> He'd be but, smashing uh, his iPhone with a hammer. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, dear. No, that doesn't bear thinking about. <laughs> no, do you know what? I, I think it's... Um, I mean, I very rarely listen back to our old old episodes, and I, I can't remember because obviously we did cover Smile um, when it when it aired all those years ago, and I can't remember what we what we said about it. I probably did enjoy it um, because I think I was uh, very much uh, in love with the character of Bill, mm, actually. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, which I thought I thought was amazing. I think she's my she's my constant all the way through. Um, through, through this particular season, actually, I yeah. think she's absolutely amazing. It's, Paul and Mackie. it's, sure it's interesting that. And and this may or may not be the same for you, but as much as I absolutely genuinely thought Bill was amazing and season 10 was in many ways quite strong, I only ever watched the pilot and the, the Cyberman two-parter at the end and I never go back to any of these eight episodes in the middle. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if I'm just denying myself the pleasure of watching something that I know is quite good. Or- well, I... Th- well, do you know what I think? After watching this today, I was thinking I'm going to, you know, sit down and rewatch this this season actually mm. because um, I think I think this is great. The pilot is fantastic, as you say. The the two part uh, Cyberman episode at the end is probably one of the best bits of television I've, I've especially the first part, um, mm. or the best Doctor Who I've watched in a, in a very long time. Um, I don't recall much about the the. Was it the monk three part or whatever they were? Yeah, no, no one. I, I don't think anyone's ever seen those twice. Um, no, no. Um, and what was the oxygen? Was a good one. Oxygen Joe was Matheson's. a good one. Um, thin ice was. I mean, just just to sort of leap ahead, maybe. But the the closing shot of this episode that we're talking about is a throw forward to next week's episode, Thin Ice, and you've got this wonderful, magnificent elephant stomping across the frozen Thames, and that is. You know, if I was 10 and I had no idea that there had actually been elephants in that era, I would assume that it was the most exciting, weird thing ever. An elephant on the Thames? What is happening? I know. Sometimes I like to sort of like, maybe sort of, I wish I had a switch in my brain. I could just sort of like, okay, I'm now 10 years old again. Flip and and just enjoy it, really, rather than... I think that's the problem with podcasts. I do sit there with with probably my, my... you know my my critical head on, or like words will go. I've got I've got my critical head on today. You know I should have my ten year old head on today. Well, this, so Doctor. yeah, that is the problem. We're all trying to sound clever on these things, and, and I fail abysmally. Well, that. I mean, you know, I'm I'm on all of time and space because I'm I'm the idiot. You know, there's Mark, there's the excellent guests he lines up, and then I'm there as the sort of bumbling comic relief, you know, idiot figure. Um, but even even so, we do try and and possibly I don't know overanalyze is the wrong word, but you know, like I said earlier, we're not kids, and therefore our opinions 
as wonderful and interesting as they are, it don't matter because it's all about the impact it has on, on the young viewers. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And it's just, we've just stuck with it over the years, haven't we? Because we grew up watching that that particular show. I mean, whether, you, whether your jumping on point was, for me, it was the 70s. Some of us, it's the 80s. I mean, um, for some people, their, their jumping on point was probably the TV movie. Yeah. For Doctor Who, yeah. you know, it's, you know, so it, different generations have their own jumping on point. And and I think that's maybe the problem because you're always harking back to what you watched as a child and now, and you, and it is rose tinted spectacles yeah. a lot of the time. I it think really if is. you, if you speak to someone of our age who is, say, a football fan and you ask them about their team that they've been following through thick and thin for 50 years, they're, you know, they're going to be very dismissive about what's happening at the moment, but they're always going to hark back to the glory days in the 80s and the big hair and the moustaches. Um, and it's the same with Doctor Who, isn't it? It's it's We don't actually have to like any part of it because we like the whole thing and we always have and we haven't really questioned that in ourselves. Um, so it's just this kind of bone-deep loyalty, although as people get older, they get less um, immediately swept along with things and less um invested emotionally so so it's that kind and i'm i'm not a football person i mean i you know if anything i support brentford because they built their new stadium on what used to be the waterstones head office i used to work in Um, that's that's not a big reason for you know no but, no, not really. Um, no, that's yeah. It. But so, so I'm I'm a I'm a Millwall supporter, right? And I can't really look back on any glory days, to be honest. So I was, yeah, that, no, no, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> there, there, there was a lot of perms. <laughs> There's one player in particular, Steve Lovell. He had, he had this amazing. Um, I'm sure it must have been a mullet to begin with, and he had this really tight perm, but it was also long at the same time. Oh. Yeah, oh, I think it went on to have, I, it was text, but I think it had its own footballing career once he retired, actually. <laughs> so. I, I think most of Liverpool got to use that hair in the in the 80s. But, uh. <laughs> well, they do pass it round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn to wear the perm this season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ian's, Ian's won the moustache raffle, so we'll, <laughs> we'll do the, we'll do the, the perm. But yeah, I think I think it's the it's the same thing, isn't it? You you might look back at Millwall and and remember you know periods or eras or or managers. Maybe the analogy is your club's manager is like a doctor and you've you've seen 15 at this point and and your favorite was the third one you saw or the fifth one. But you like all of it and you and you're never going to stop being involved in it. No, no, yeah. that's true. It's yeah. absolutely true. I know people who do sort of, they say, right, that's it, Doctor Who's not for me anymore. And, and there was a point I stopped watching it in the 80s because I was, I was a, became sort of a teenager. Yeah. In my teenage years, I just found other things to do. I never stopped being a fan, though. That's the, I mean, that's the thing. I just found other interests. Um, and, and that was that. So a lot of the Colin Baker era and McCoy's era, I, I never saw. Actually, until really, till the repeats come out in UK Gold. Yeah, and I honest. and I was, you know, I was a kid of the eighties. So at the time, and I, you know, I have to go back and give myself a firm talking to. But I loved the Colin Baker era at the time, and I, I, I loved the Sylvester McCoy era. I knew, as a, a you know, a ten-year-old in my mum's bedroom watching the first part of Time and the Rani, I knew it was objectively terrible television, but. <laughs> 
that era just keeps getting richer and better as as the decades fall away, you know? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, McCoy is Scott's favourite Doctor. Um, Good lad. And I'm, yeah, exactly, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much nonplussed about his era, to be honest. I just found it a bit, you know, a bit silly, mm. really. And, but I'm having a bit more of an appreciation of it now, actually, because I'm seeing him enjoying it. And I thought, well, okay, he can't be, it can't be that bad, you know. If, I mean, you know, to, to, and he's absolutely, you know, even listening to audio, like Animal we were saying about earlier, even listening to, you know, Big Finish stories as well. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he's taking it all on board. He loves him. I think, I think McCoy was such a, you know, alien presence, like a genuine, he could have been a Time Lord. He wasn't the best actor to play the Doctor, but he was one of the best performers to perform the part of the Doctor. And that's the distinction i'd make and that was kind of apparent you know by by the time you get to something like the curse of fenric um he's just you can't take your eyes off him no even though i'm not a massive fan of the curse of fenric if well it's well it's ghost, it's all ghost like for that wow matter. well it's wonderful to meet someone with a different opinion um yeah <laughs> i yeah i i um yeah i just find ghost like impenetrable actually I, I've, I've watched it so many times just thought it's it, for me it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense well as long as it I know feels it like I know a story and it feels like drama and it hits the right beats and it has cliffhangers every 24 minutes then just go along with it you know it's like um yeah exactly you know but exactly. but just, this is this is my point you know it's like it's like you know your football team from 87 to 89 might not have been to your taste, might not have been run the way you wanted it to be run. The games might not have made any sense. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to make as strong a parallel as I can between the curse of Fenric yeah. and Millwall <laughs> in the late 80s. And I, I, you know, I have no frame of reference for that. <laughs> uh, neither do I, actually. <laughs> I'll shut no, up so, now. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. I, that's like, is there anything you want to say about Smile? I mean, did, I mean, did you enjoy it at, at the end of the day when you watched it? <sighs> properly this time mm. did you enjoy it or i it was better than i'd assumed it was at the time because at the time obviously when i tuned out after 5 minutes and it was still on you know on the, in the on the other side of the room so i could occasionally glance across at it but it didn't seem very engaging but watching it properly and and as we've talked about it and and teased out a few more ideas it does seem that there's a lot going on in there but ultimately it still felt kind of ultimately not the most substantial story from that season no um i think it was a good one for bill yeah really as as her first sort of i mean i mean even even the doctor said this this isn't your first time in the tardis but um she she saw it as as that being taken off to a, you know, she wants to go to the future. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> and seeing sort of like for her to see, oh my God, I, you know, I'm on a spaceship. Oh, I'm in, I'm in the future. These oh, these are robots. And, you know, seeing sort of like the, the look of wonder on her face, I think was, was, that was a pretty good part of the story, actually. And I think, again, it's all, it's all Bill and the Doctor, really. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to, this story, isn't it? If you, you know, you, you need to really, devote a lot of time when you're introducing a new character and, and giving them... I think most companions, if you look at their first full adventure, um, they are generally the, 
the kind of certainly in the new era not so much with classic um but it is more about them and it is focused more on them um you think about rose in in the end of the world or um any of the others who've completely escaped my tiny blonde mind, um, Martha. Yes, <laughs> Amy, you know, Rory. You're always you're al- you're always going to throw away a story, or in Donna's case, two or three stories, and 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 it's all about the character and the the rapport with the Doctor, and so you don't need to have the strongest plot that makes the most sense or is the most arresting. You just need to do what Doctor Who does in the background. And let the new characters shine. So in that in that capacity, I think this is a great Bill story. It is. Do you think this is obviously this one was written by Frank Cottrell Boyce, mm. uh, whose previous uh, contribution was in the Forest of the Night? Um, yeah, which mm. I haven't watched since transmission for good reason because I I didn't like it at all. Mm. Um, mm. I, I really didn't. I know it's. I was going to say it's more like a fairy tale story that one. Um, yeah. But I, I just didn't enjoy, it. especially. Where's the missing child? Find it in a bush. Yes, right at the very end. Without yeah, that, was, that was weird. Without seeding yeah. it at any point that the missing know, child exactly. was just going to emerge from a shrub. Um, you know, <laughs> but it, it gives everyone hope. I suppose I don't know. Um, I, I, so I, I, <laughs> what are you doing now? I'm, I'm looking for it, a child yeah, in a bush. Yeah. Anyone, anyone who's ever mislaid an infant, um, they're probably in a shrub. Go and look. Don't worry. Yeah. It's fine. Um, yeah, I think I think Smile was so. I think in the Forest of the Night was written exactly at and for the the young kids who were watching it, um, which is no bad thing. You will you will find it interesting that all the people who didn't like in the Forest of the Night tend to be. 40 or 50 and you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. us 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 um, yeah, yeah. but i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure if i'd watched that when i was a kid you know it would have been um kind of magical in that in that way that you know some kids tv really was um this one smile felt a lot more like it was written for everyone you know it wasn't it wasn't skewing younger it was aimed at um yeah, the the entire audience. Yeah, exactly. No, I I think it was. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I yeah. did enjoy it. Yeah. As I say, it's not the most. Yeah, you're right. It's not the most substantial of, of stories, but I think it, it it ticks a lot of boxes, particularly for really for for me for for Bill. Really, yeah. I think is yeah, he's yeah, a fan, fantastic character, and I, I I cannot extol her virtues higher. To be honest with you, I really cannot. No, so. I think uh, I mean especially because she came after Clara, and Cl- I have a very special place in my heart for clara but bill came along straight out of the box and was every bit as amazing yeah exactly so, exactly um, i'm just, just remembering um back to when the, the the first sort of character um photo was shown of her and they were thinking oh she's got a prince t-shirt mm. on and looking at the like, i think the, the some of the badges on her coat thought, oh she's definitely from the 1980s oh definitely from the you know and no wrong um it, I, I don't know I, I don't know what it is you've got always got to sort of put it in a box I stick a label on it all the time. Yeah, so, you know, if you're wearing this, you must be from the eighties. It's um, it's our bias, though, you know, because we 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 were there the first time. So when we see someone coded to be eighties, we assume they're from the eighties. Whereas all that's been and gone two or three times in fashion since then. You know, there's so many people out there in like you know, ACDC, Nirvana, or Guns N' Roses t-shirts. They don't 
they don't like that kind of music, but that's just the fashion. And, you know, you go up to them and you go, oh, are you are you dressed up as the summer of 1991 for a reason? And actually, I've just I've just realised what I'm wearing. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's just it's just it's just fashion. And um, you know, yeah, we were we were kind of wrong footed a little bit when when they did that early promotional stuff for Bill. But um, what a character! Yeah, I, I, I think I think she's great. I think she's absolutely great. So I was uh, I think that was probably the, mo- the thing I was most looking forward to was watching Pearl Mackey again. Um, in this, mm-hmm. so it's uh, no, I, I, and I haven't, must admit, I haven't seen anything else since. I know she has been in stuff since, but I just never got around to watching it. So I must, um, I must put that right, actually. Yeah, there's a show called The Diplomat, I think it is on Netflix, or The Ambassador, or something on Netflix, and Pearl Mackey is a sort of background character in that, and she gets maybe two lines every episode. It's not, may, it's not maybe what she deserved, but it's certainly where she is at the moment, and that's you know, so she's still out there. Good, good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm glad you picked that one in because I say it, it was something I haven't watched for a long time. I haven't watched anything from the Capaldi era for a long time. It's like when um, uh, when Mark um, came when he picked one from the Matt Smith era, again, which I hadn't watched for a long time, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching that again. So, um, God bless you, Governor, <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> Thank you kindly. That's all right. That's all right. So, well, Ian, thank you so much. I know we didn't talk about small too much. We we went on off on so many tangents there, but that was uh, yeah. That was, it, it was it was enjoyable anyway. Mate. It was, a, really it, was it was an interesting meander. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was <laughs> of two something. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> middle let, age. Let's say thirty nine. Yeah. Let's let's uh, on that, the side I'll of, 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 of a lie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm way over that line now. <laughs> Right, well, Ian, I, I shall um, I shall put up where we can find all time and space and strangers in space um, on the show notes where you can find those uh, two wonderful, wonderful podcasts. So, and I say I've been lucky to be a guest on both, so which mm. I've really enjoyed. So, um, do do seek both of them out. Yes, They're very, very, very worth worth your while. So, um, Ian, thank you so much for uh, for joining us this evening, and um, well, I say it's goodbye from me, Phil. Then. And it's goodbye from me, Ian, and thank you for having me. A pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can download this podcast from iTunes, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, and through your podcatcher of choice. If you would care to leave us some feedback on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. You can also find us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast, on the Who's He Podcast Facebook group, and through our website, who's hyphen he hyphen podcast.co.uk.